Hello, welcome to this podcast. These are the daily audio devotions from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, as they are prepared by Pastor Adam Moline. You can check out our church website, goodshepherdlincoln.org, if you want to uh, get more of these particular devotions. They're also available in video format on our YouTube page. Let's get into today's devotion. Hello and welcome to our daily devotion from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Pastor Adam Moldeen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Today we're going to continue our look at the life of King David, finding its fulfillment in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we do so today, we pick up right where we left off in a rather tense situation. David has committed adultery with the wife of one of his close soldiers, one of his mighty men, Uriah the Hittite. And she has been found afterward to be pregnant. So we're going to pick up right after that. This is 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning at verse 6. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and there followed him a present from the king. But... Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark of Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in his presence and drank, so that he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with his servants of his Lord. But he did not go down to his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him, that he may be struck down and die. And as Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah the Hittite also died." Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, we'll hear more about the news and how it was received 
And then also eventually how the Lord responds through the mouth of his prophet Nathan. What I want to focus on today are David's actions. David has sinned. He has committed adultery. He has broken the sixth commandment, the first commandment. In fact, if you were to do a study of it, you could probably find a way that David, the king of Israel, God's chosen servant, has broken all ten of God's commandments. It's something we're familiar with. For we too have sinned in our thought, word, and our deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone in breaking all ten of God's holy commandments. David has sinned just like we sin. Where we have something to learn, though, is in the way David deals with his sin. Because sadly, the way David tries to deal with his own sin is often the way we deal with our sin. David seeks to cover up his guilt. He seeks to self-justify, to try and make himself appear right in the eyes of the people around him, to try and cover up the wickedness that he has done. How does he do this? Well, what's the sin? Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, is pregnant, and there's absolutely no question that she has committed adultery. Uriah was not in town. He was out of town when the pregnancy began. How do you fix this problem? David calls his servant Uriah back from the fighting. He pretends to ask him questions about how the fighting is going. He feeds his servant Uriah, and he says, Hey, you're in town. Why don't you go home and visit your wife? Why? Hoping that he will sleep with Bathsheba. And that in nine months when the baby's born, he will think he was the father. When that trip came up, when I returned home at the king's request, that's when my son, my child, was conceived. But David underestimates Uriah. Uriah is more righteous than he. Uriah does not return to his home. After all, all of his fellow soldiers, all of his friends are fighting out in the field, are sleeping in tents. He sleeps instead at the door of David's palace. He doesn't go home to his wife. This causes a problem for David. So David comes up with a second potential solution. David knows that Uriah slept at the door to his home because he was a righteous man. So how do you get a righteous man to sin? You cloud his mind. David invites Uriah over again. And this time, David gets Uriah drunk, hoping that in his drunken state, Uriah will go home and see his wife. In his drunken state, then he'll sleep with her. And in his drunken state, then they'll be able to claim that's where the child came from. But even then, in a drunken stupor, 
brought about by the king of Israel seeking to self-justify his own sin. Uriah does what is right. He does not go home to his wife. Instead, he acts righteously by doing the same thing his fellow soldiers are doing. This leads David further down a path of self-justifying sin. He sends a message to the commander of his army through Uriah's own hand, a message that says, send Uriah to the fiercest fighting. Make sure that he's killed in battle. Uriah faithfully and dutifully carries his own death sentence from the king of Israel to the commander of his army. And as a result, Uriah is killed in battle. Dear friends in Christ, David does not want to admit his sin. He seeks to cover it up, and he'll go to any length to do so. And so, also, do we cover up our sin. We go to any length to do so. We lie. We deceive. We blame other people. We blame our life circumstances. We tell ourselves that our sin isn't really sin, that it's not as bad as we thought, that God has bigger fish to fry than poor little old me. We bury our sin deep in our hearts. We refuse to let it come to the light of day. What does this do? Well, it drives David further and further down a sinful road and path. And it does the same for you. When our sin is hidden, when we self-justify it away, when we take care of it by our own actions, we take away from what Christ does for us. We will see next week how God truly deals with sin. He places it onto the shoulders of Christ. He kills it once and for all. That's true justification. And for that to take place, our sin must come to light. That's why your preacher preaches law and gospel, so that your sin may be revealed and that the precious balm won by our Lord Jesus Christ may be applied to cover it. Sometimes that involves hard words being spoken, difficult situations being dealt with. But that is the right path, the right choice. Because it's only then that our Lord Jesus Christ forgives us. It's only then that his mercy can be shown for what it truly is, that in him all sin, large and small, is forgiven. Don't hide your sin. Confess it. Be absolved. 
trust the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, for only he can justify. Next week, we'll learn about a tool that can bring this about, confession and absolution. Next week, we'll also hear about how sermons and God's word can bring that confession and absolution to you. As we wait to hear that conclusion, trust also in Jesus Christ. He has died for your sin. There's no need to hide it any longer. You cannot self-justify it away. Only Jesus can make it right. For Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.